This podcast is a TWTT production. Let's enjoy sake, hot or cold. Let's enjoy sake all together with you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of TWTT, the podcast, and the first episode for 2024. My name is Simone Maynard, joining from Melbourne, Australia, and alongside me for this session is Maki Tanaka from Tokyo and Julian Hausman from Osaka. Maki, how are you? Happy New Year, even though it's uh, the middle of February. (laughs) Happy New Year and happy Valentine's Day. Oh, Valentine's Are we celebrating that? (laughs) Why not? Have you got a, a red yeast or a red rice sake for the for this evening? Well, that's a good point. I do. Oh, there you go. You're uh, you're you're uh, back in in Japan. Of course, you were here for Christmas in Australia, and I'm sure you you'll probably have a an online connection later on where you can enjoy that uh, that red sake. <laughs> yes, Julian, how are you? Well, happy happy February New Year. First catch up for 2024. Yes, good to finally catch up again. It is, and you were just holding a bottle up then in honour of uh, of the yes. date that it is today. I do have a Valentine's sake to share with uh, myself um, <laughs> <laughs> from Dainagawa, and it's not necessarily a uh, a Valentine's sake as such, but it does have hearts on the label, so that counts. It does count. It does count. And sadly, I've got no show and tell today. I've, uh, I'm now two weeks without drinking any alcohol. I am doing, don't worry, I haven't given up sake. It'll be the first thing that I enjoy once the four weeks is up. But I'm somewhat doing Feb fast until my birthday, which is on the 28th. Uh, this year, that's the second last day of, of February. So we are in a leap year. And a shout out to Van, uh, who was born on the 29th of February, a TWTT member. Uh, and he can actually celebrate his birthday on the 29th this year. So a bit of a shout out to all the people born on a leap year on the 29th of um, February. Uh, enjoy your official birthday this year. <laughs> so we are just catching up. Uh, it's been two months since we've recorded a session. Of course, I got to see Maki while she was in Melbourne over the Christmas and New Year period, which was wonderful. Uh, but I haven't seen Julian online since mid-December. So we just thought we'd get together and catch up. We don't have a guest for this particular episode. So we're going to just talk a little bit about what we've been up to as far as um, sake events and stories go and see where this episode takes us. Uh, Of course, this year started with some sad news uh, for Japan and, of course, for a number of sake brewers. Um, No doubt you've all heard about the uh, devastating earthquake that hit the Noto Peninsula at the start of the year. And I know there's been a lot of coverage of that in Japan and a lot of fundraisers. Um, Maki, I believe you went to a, uh, a fundraiser recently. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So there was a um, charity event at Uenogashue, the little bar that holds a lot of events. And they had a screening of a, a movie that's about the Noto for Legendary Toji. We all watched that and then we um, had some sake 
from not necessarily Noto, but uh, from Ishikawa Prefecture. Mm. So who are the four breweries or, or, or brewers that are the legends of, of Noto then? So the breweries are, the the brands are Kaiyun in uh, Shizuoka, Masuizumi in Toyama, Tengumai in Ishikawa, and Jokigen in uh, Ishikawa as well. So it's about the Noto, yeah. uh, the Noto Guild breweries, right? not actually brewers yes. from Noto. Right, right. Oh, okay. I see. I see. I mean, they they come from Noto, but they worked in different breweries throughout Japan. Okay, I see. Anyone from um, TWTT fame in the film? So um, Fujita Akiko that we featured a couple of episodes ago, Akiko Fujita from Wakayama. Uh, yes, from Kurumazaka. She um, studied under Noguchi Naohiko, Naohiko Noguchi, who is the four one of the four um, legends. And she was part of the story. Fantastic. Documentary, right? It's a documentary. And when, it's not a recent movie though, is it? I believe it was 2013 or 14. And so, Maki, was it actually a fundraising event? Yes, part of the proceeds um, went to uh, donation in the, I think, the Ishikawa Prefecture Breweries Association. Yeah. And were, there, were any of the brewers, um, were there any brewers present for the actual event or just a... No, no, it was just a screening. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, well, I'm, I know I know there have been lots of lots of events, so it's been great seeing um, the, the sake community and broader community pull together to help uh, some of these businesses and these people that have been affected by uh, the, the terrible earthquake that happened uh, in, on the 1st of January. I, was going to say, I haven't been to any events, any fundraising events or, or whatnot around the area, but it's it's very clear when you go into just about almost uh, any you know sake bar at the moment around Osaka, or especially in January, almost all of them were straight up recommending you know the Ishikawa um, and Noto sakes as you know something to get behind and support. It's usually in these times they always try and get people to drink as much sake from that affected region as possible. So that was definitely happening a lot through January and is still happening now. Yeah, great. So that is a wonderful way to be able to support the people affected, especially the brewers affected, is to drink sake from the affected uh, region. It's a, it's a great way to to be able to support um, Ishikawa Prefecture in general. If you can access their sake, please do and uh, show your love for uh, for the community in uh, in Ishikawa and uh, specifically Noto Peninsula area. Julian, mm. this um, this chat was kind of your idea. So, you know, you, you seem to think we've all been doing enough to uh, warrant chatting about on a podcast episode. So let's start with you and see what uh, what you've been up to since we spoke in uh, December last year. Well, aside from the usual eating and drinking, about a yeah, shortly into the into the new year, I made finally after years of um, having it on my my list of things that I need to do and need to visit was I, I went to a Shoryoku Temple uh, in Nara, which is uh, many people have maybe heard of and definitely seen photos around of the, uh, the obelisk uh, stone, where it is one of the places I, I am loath to say it is the birthplace of sake, but it's one of the places around the country that that lays claim to being the birthplace of sake. It's definitely an area that played a very important role with sake. And one of the main things is that the the temple there, they uh, brew uh, the Bodaimoto sake. So every year in January, they uh, brew the starter mash there at the temple. And that starter mash is then split up among the seven breweries that are part of the uh, Bodaimoto research group. So these are the affiliated 
card-carrying Bordeaux Morto uh, breweries that are in Nara. And so, yeah, went down there with a, with a few other members of uh, the Taste with the Tolji, usual suspects. And it was it was interesting. It was like a, it was it, it was you know it's it's quite an effort to get to get there um, because they have the the special ceremony where pe- visitors could come and actually watch this watch what they were doing. And to be honest, what they were doing wasn't that interesting. So when we got there after catching a, a maybe a thirty minute bus from Nara Station, um, and they had special buses running for this event. If 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 you go any any other time during the year, you've either got to walk for like an hour and a half or you know get a taxi or something like that. There's not it's really quite out in the in the, the boonies, out in the sticks. There's no no even not even any cell phone uh, reception out there. So in this day and age, that felt very alienating. But anyway, um, yeah. Once we got out there, they, at basically the temple, they were at the, in the process of steaming the rice, and they were steaming it outside. They had the you know the the, the big kushiki out there where they were steaming it. There was the the head priest of the, of the temple is there, and he's kind of talking the visitors through what's happening and all about the, the history of Bodaimoto and, and the temple, the Shogaku uh, temple. And there was I don't know how many people were there, probably a hundred maybe, a hundred people had turned up, and that's they have they run like three buses to get there, and. Yeah, at first it was like really interesting. You know, we get there fairly early in the morning and you're kind of watching this thing happen. You get kind of, you know, you feel like you're watching some kind of something historic and something pretty special. But then at the end of the, after maybe an hour or so, you realize you're literally just watching steamed rice, rice <laughs> getting steamed. And um, and then eventually that was finished. That They, they did actually get to the point where it was done and they pulled it out and it was, you know, spreading it out on, on the, they had mats there. That, again, this is outside and I was spreading it out to, to cool it down. Yeah, it was it was interesting, but it's it took quite a while to and you you're just kind of standing there watching this for for you know like I said you know a good hour or more and there you know people asking questions about the um the process and the history and whatnot and oh, and of course all the brewers were in in attendance there so that was cool so you know we watched that and after a while they have a uh, like an area a tent set up where you can do tastings of all the sake from those breweries as well so you know we went over there and had a few tastings and whatnot. Unfortunately, a lot of the stuff as well, like the actual, some of the technical stuff they do with putting that, that shub or the, the starter mash together, they do behind closed doors. So you don't actually get to see some of the nitty gritty. They just kind of do the, you know, you're seeing all the steam come out when they're, when they're steaming the rice. So it kind of looks interesting, but then they take it inside and you can't see what's happening in there. Mm-hmm. So it was, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. I'm, I'm glad I went. And if you're a sake nerd, I would, you know, say I would recommend Maybe going once. Would I go again? Probably not. I've seen it. I've checked it, took the photos, and I'm kind of happy with that. Like I said, it's, it's not an easy place to get to. But um, honestly, when you get out there, there's not much else there. There's really the temple and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's no there's no stores or anything to, to look at, really. It's just you're right out there in the middle of the forest. Beautiful, but not a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we made the most of it and brought some sake back with us on the bus back and and then you can actually go again a couple of weeks after, you know, when they, once, once the starter mash is ready, they split it up amongst the seven breweries who then go off and make their own Bordeaux Morto using the, the starter mash that they all share. But I wasn't game enough to go back again for, for that stage. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it was, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was uh, a, a box that's been ticked. And, and there's, there's, there's only, I guess, really a handful of brewers using that Bodaimoto. I'm wondering, especially with that labeling. As of yeah. So, so how many how many breweries? Or you said the brewers were there. So how many how many brewers or how many breweries were represented for that seven. event? Seven. Mm. It's seven in the group. So that's uh, Imanishi Shoes or uh, Katsuragi Shoes or Kitaoka Honten, Yucho Shoes or Ueda Shoes or Kikutsukasa Jozo, 
Kuramoto Shuzo. Yeah, I mean, there's some a, a couple of you know familiar faces. Yujiro Shuzo, of course, a lot of people know from Kazunomori. Yeah. Um, it's and apparently, so every year as well, one of the breweries is allocated to make the the koji for the um for the, that that starter match, and then they will share that. So that rotates each year as to who's making the koji. Any standouts from the the tasting part of the event? I believe I enjoyed Kuramoto. Kuramoto Shuzo is a brewery that's probably not widely seen outside of Kansai. I'm guessing, but it, this sake pops up every now and then, and I'm quite, it's quite interesting. They had an aged sake there, which was out of the price range, but uh, yeah, it was it was a fun little a fun little event. So yeah, it was just a good vibe. Was the tasting all boraimoto or just all the sake or all their all their boraimoto? So the previous years or oh yeah. you said yeah. some aged as well. Yeah, there was. I mean, I just got the they had like a, a tasting set, and I just got the set. Hmm. So I just got the, the seven brewery set that covered. But like I said, it's. It's a it's a one time only thing for me I think. But if you're yeah if, if anyone's coming to Japan or in, in Japan and they're thinking that it's something that they have to do I would definitely recommend if you're thinking that you have to go out to the temple do it when the event is on don't do it otherwise because otherwise you're just going to be going all that way out there to see a another temple another temple and you know just to take a photo of that that stone tablet yeah. there saying yeah. here's the birthplace of sake otherwise there's nothing else out there. That's yeah. what I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah. But they do sell the sake throughout the year. Oh, at the temple, do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Still a long way to go to buy the sake. <laughs> <laughs> and you've um, you had a, you had a, a, a event of somewhat some sorts as well yourself, Simone. Did you know recently? Yeah, it's been a, a busy start to twenty twenty four sake wise for me, which has been great. I've been lucky enough to travel to Brisbane and to Sydney recently to do some educational events. Uh, so yeah, we did. Um, I guess the most interesting for. TWTT community was, of course, the collaboration with Maria Chiba, uh, who many people know from either Gem by Moto days or her more recent um, venue, which is hers, uh, Eureka Sakeba in Tokyo. Uh, so we were fortunate enough to be able to bring her to Sydney. So her very first visit to Australia, which was exciting not just for us but for her as well <laughs> to be coming to Australia for the first time. Uh, and I've, I've, you know, I've watched her sort of travel to other parts of the world and and do sake events and sake promotion. So it was fabulous to be able to bring her uh, down under and and do that here. So we had a food food pairing event, um, and then we had a, also a symposium event, which had a food pairing element. But we also uh, managed to screen the Australian premiere of Kampai Sake Sisters, the documentary movie made about, uh, well, about women in sake, but predominantly three three female figures in the sake world doing different things in the sake industry. And one of them, of course, was Maria Chiba, who was our very special guest. So we got to watch the movie and uh, try some of her amazing food pairings with some sake that's available here in Australia. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And I also had the uh, the 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 job of chaperoning her for most of her short stay. So she was here for three days in total, and uh, it was incredibly hot in Sydney while she was here. So she came out from winter in in Tokyo to a very very hot Sydney summer few days. But we managed to do quite a lot in a small a small space of time. So it was a a privilege to you know to hang out with her. And uh, of course, my Japanese isn't fabulous. Her English isn't either. So we. 
uh, kind of used a lot of, as David Cheek would say, Nihon Shugo, um, the language of sake and a lot of body language, but we got by, you know, Google Translate came in handy, even though half the time it's very inaccurate, <laughs> but a lot of pointing, a lot of laughing, a lot of, uh, a lot of tasting. Those people who have been to either Jembai Moto or Eureka will know that, um, well, she loves food pairing. She's very good at it. She has an amazing palate and she focuses a lot on spices and herbs and that sort of element. So she was very, um, she was very keen to try some native Australian, uh, I guess, botanicals, shall we say, herbs, spices, things like that. So uh, we managed to go to a bush foods bakery and uh, the owner there was really generous and let us taste and smell a whole lot of native Australian botanicals, which was really interesting for her. Uh, and then one of the you know, the lovely attendees of the first event we did, Fiona Thompson, who um, volunteers at King's Cross Community Garden, uh, invited us the following day to come and uh, taste some in the fresh form. So we were able to go to the King's Cross Community Garden, which has, uh, you know, sort of a generic community garden with with fruit and veg, but there's also a native Australian section uh, in that garden. So, you know, things like finger lime and um, appleberry and gooseberry and, um, oh, sorry, not gooseberry, mulberry, mulberry, like native mulberry and different leaf uh, leaf plants that are edible. So uh, salt bush. So lots of, lots of things for her to, to taste and enjoy. And uh, we managed to find a few dried sachets of, of, of products for her to take home and, and experiment with. So, that was that was a lot of fun, you know, for me as well. Um, having worked in a in a gin distillery in a in a previous uh, <laughs> part of my life, um, it was it was nice to sort of go back and do some of those, uh, you know, botanical tastings and uh, sensory experience. So it was yeah, it was a lot of fun. Did she use those in the in the event, or were they was that just like? Did she stick with her, her tried and true recipes for that? For the she's, yeah, she stuck with her tried and true recipes, but uh, I think it it was more than anything. I think it was curiosity uh, that she wanted to to try these, um, you know, Australian Australian herbs, botanicals. You know, I'm hoping that she'll come out again, and perhaps they'll fit into the the next lot of events that she might do here. And and now that she's got an idea of of what's available. Uh, it would be really cool to do something um, with native Australian botanicals and other ingredients too. So she, uh, I bought her a uh, a kangaroo pie. Yeah, we we got to trying some things for the first time, which was great. So she she got to try a kangaroo pie, and then uh, I um bought her a nice plate of uh, Sydney rock oysters. How was the the kangaroo pie received? She said it was delicious, but you know the Japanese are very they're very polite. <laughs> But, but uh, it, look, as I said, I think a lot of it was curiosity for her. And like most of us, you know, when we travel to a part of the world that we've never been to, it's always it's always fun to try uh, local local dishes, local recipes, local ingredients, um, native native um, meats or plants or fruits or whatever whatever may be on offer. So she had a choice of a few things, and she chose the the kangaroo pie. So yeah. What, so what were the dishes that she that she um, served at the at the event? Uh, so of course the 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 ham and blue cheese katsu was uh, was at both events. There was a focus sort of on on herbs and fruits for a lot of the dishes. We actually did a, a semifredo for a, for a dessert, and that was quite surprising for a lot of people because uh, a lot of people that had attend were attending the event had never tried um, sake as a dessert pairing before. So 
it was great to see the response of people that came to these events, the whole idea of the events. I mean, it's part of a campaign um, called Bringing Sake to the Table. And what our aim is, is for more people to bring sake to the table, whether it be, a, you know, a table at a friend's place, a table at home or a table at a restaurant. Yeah. So what are, what other dishes? There was, of course, the squid ink egg, the smoked the smoked egg with the squid ink mayonnaise. Did you have an issue with so- with um, sourcing the ingredients and things that she u- normally uses for these dishes, or was it she didn't? I mean, she, you would she wouldn't have brought her own because getting those things in Australia is a nightmare. It was one of these things where we, uh, you know, there was a lot of back and forth communication. Uh, obviously, not not just with myself, but with uh, people I work with that can type and read and speak Japanese. And we worked with a chef in Sydney who liaised with with Chibasan and basically the the menu was designed based on what's available here so we didn't really have to alter her her recipe at all because she already had an idea of what was and wasn't available in Sydney but uh, some of the dishes that she actually curated for the events she hasn't actually uh, served before at Eureka so some of them were a little bit exclusive I suppose to to us, which was great. Uh, so, so between the chef and and Chibasan, they were curated especially for these events. But obviously, we wanted to have a couple of her signature dishes from Eureka. So, the squid ink egg being one of them, and of course, the the blue cheese ham katsu, which she was serving back in her gem by Moto days. We managed to find quite a uh, a thick nigori from Miwa Shuzo. Uh, so we were able to pair that with the blue cheese ham katsu. So that was, you know, it's still a great pairing, um, different to what she would serve at her restaurant, sake-wise, but it, it worked well for the event. Were the audience regular consumers or restaurant people? It was a, a mix, basically, of um, industry people, regular consumers or sake curious, sake lovers, and a small portion was media as well. Mm. So a nice, oh. a, a nice varied demographic i was gonna say just from seeing the the posts and, and whatnot one of the uh, that on, on instagram of uh of the event i just felt compelled to comment that i really like the uh the logo for the bringing sake to the table as in it's somewhat it's more refreshing than it should be to see uh an event like that promoted and with fonts and logos that don't resort to japanese cliches yeah so Kentaro-san is a he's a wonderful designer. He actually designed all the motifs for Sake Festival last year, the characters that we used for branding, and he's um, he's created a new design for this year's festival, and he was approached to do the design for the campaign. And it's funny, actually, that you should say that because there were two choices, and one was very much based around the tokuri and uh, ochoko. Right. <laughs> so, Right. Very much, you know, the 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 image of the the two of them holding hands and running, you know, they were late for the table kind of thing, and and of course that was a very cutesy. And straight away when we all saw it, we were like, oh yeah, that says sake. But then the second design had us really curious because it was it was very modern, like you say, and it was very non-Japanese. And of course, we're doing this campaign in Australia, so it kind of resonated, and it was based on text messages. So it was kind of based on oh, commu- communication yeah. and, um, yeah, people people kind of like spreading the love or spreading the, the, the idea of, hey, let's bring sake to the table. So 
and I know people probably need a visual now that we're talking about it, but uh, yeah, you, yeah, <laughs> I'll um I'll post a link in the in the show notes, and if people want to see it, they can they can have a look. And it's kind of timeless too. I think it's it, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think it's always it's a bit of a, a double edged sword when um promoting Japanese when promoting sake is to you know kind of over you know overuse the the idea that it's Japanese and you know whether it's using the ochoko natokuri or you know the genome circles or the you know and then getting too extreme with using sumo wrestlers and ninjas and samurais and geishas and sakura and all those things, which is kind of really cool things that a lot of people love about Japan and can attract them. But it also just then makes sake just very Japanese. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, um, I feel like sometimes this is the idea that, you know, sake is, is for Japan, it's for Japanese food kind of thing. And it doesn't work towards, you know, if you're in a liquor store or something, if everything else, you know, if you, I mean, sure, it might help it stand out in its own way, but, if everything else is there just presented as look, these are all different types of wine or liquor and spirits that you can enjoy anytime and anywhere. And then over here is just screaming, Hey, if you're eating Japanese, this is what you got to drink. And it just puts it in that box of that's all it is. So I'm very much a proponent of that kind of that type of advertising, that font that you've done for that, that event. I thought it was really cool that it's, yeah. it makes it more general open to a wider audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's the whole idea. You know, he has done an amazing job. And I think that the whole idea is to appeal to people that, you know, not just people that that are sake drinkers already. It's to mm. to break down those barriers and to create, um, I guess, a, a visual language that anyone can uh, relate to, you know, with the colours and the fonts. And like I said, it kind of loosely based on that whole messaging system and and. I guess to put a, a bit more context to that, it's so you know if you, if you're going to somebody's house for a dinner and usually text them white or red, you know, <laughs> who drinks what, white or red. So it's you know we we want people to text and go, you know, how about sake or um, I'm bringing sake, and then eventually over time, once more and more people start drinking it, that question will be you know. Um, you want something savory or sweet, sake-wise. You know, it's 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 about, like I said, that that language, that visual language, but then also that that you know the actual physical verbal language of people just communicating about sake and not not feeling. We don't want people feeling intimidated by you know by a language around sake. We want people to realize that it's you know something that goes with everything. It can go with a barbecue. It can go with pizza. It can go. Of course, it goes with Japanese yeah. food, but it can pair with so much more. So really, you can have it at any table. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun being in, involved in uh, in some of these events, and yeah, especially seeing the reaction of people when, um, especially a lot of them are, are, are revolved around food pairing because we want people to, you know, as I said, bring it to the table with French food, with Italian food, with uh, Indian food, etc. So seeing people's responses when they're trying a pairing that they would never have imagined, you know, something like a dessert uh, and and being quite blown away by it. So, yeah, it's been a lot of, uh, for me, that's that's what I love about doing events. I love seeing people's reaction to things. And, and if, if you get one person from uh, any event, then go out and, you know, spread that that the love of that experience or, you know, tell people, wow, you know, I tried sake with this and then they recreate that at home and then someone else enjoys it. It's, you know, I think it's a, it's a successful event then. So yeah, yeah been a lot of fun. Well, next week, uh, I'm not sure when this podcast will actually be released, but uh, ne next Friday I'm doing a sake and, and tacos pairing event here in Osaka. 
So um, I'm looking forward to doing that next week and seeing the reactions that we get. It's doing it a, a very cool give a shout out for anyone that ever comes to Osaka and is looking for Western food, a place called the Silver Lining in uh, in Osaka down, downtown. He does uh, great American style burgers and, and tacos and, and that kind of thing. So that's that's going to be a cool uh, cool thing to do next week. And it's because it's a, it's a you know, a, a restaurant that serves primarily American style food. A lot of the clientele is also a lot of, you know, tourists that don't have anywhere else, you know, don't know where to go. And sometimes it's, it's the, you know, the, the foreign community here that likes to eat Western food and probably never think of having sake with it. So yeah, it can be interesting to see how that, that goes and for a reverse version of it here in Japan. How did that come about? Was there a, a sake brewery or retail store involved in it? Or are you producing no, it? Me, I wanted to do it. Purely, purely selfish reasons is, is I love sake, I love tacos, and I'm like, I want to put these two together. That's amazing. Um, I've done a couple of ones with pizza, and tacos was the next thing on the list, so it's going to be fun. I wish I could be there. <laughs> it does sound like a lot of fun. Uh, but I, 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 I did mention Miwa Shuzo when we were talking about the pairings that, uh, that, that we used for the event in Sydney, and I know, Maki, you actually went to a Miwa Shuzo event and of course Miwa-san was one of the TWTT guests uh last year I believe or maybe the year before already 2022 wasn't it I keep forgetting we're in 2024 uh, <laughs> it's already going so fast we're in the middle of February but um yes tell us a little bit about that so this was another event at Gashue and inviting Miwa-san to uh to taste um his nigori and they were actually doing this as an experiment. So his, you know, thick nigori was used as a drink, a cocktail, uh, a sauce, and uh, as an ingredient in the dishes. And we were, you know, uh, doing different kinds of pairings. So we had two bottles in front of us. One is a, a nama nigori and another one is his regular um, hide, pasteurized nigori. And we were encouraged to do all kinds of pairing <laughs> with it. And uh, the dishes were actually, what the menu was developed uh, involving one of the um, cheese um, stylists or um, cheese specialist. Mm-hmm. And one of the dishes was fondue. So cheese fondue with nigori in it and paired with nigori. And that was that was something else. Oh. <laughs> So yeah, and um, Miyasan was as usual. He's uh, he was advocating for all all things Nigori, and he calls himself Nigori King, right? He recently changed his name. Now he calls himself Nigoras Kenji. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like Nicholas okay. Cage. Okay, his name is Kenji. Took me a minute. Nigoras okay. means to to make things murky. So <laughs> now he's That's pretty good. <laughs> calling himself Nigoraskinj. Uh, he is quite the character. So it sounds like it would have been a very fun event. And I did see some photos that you posted and I, uh, yeah, had a little pang of envy. It would have been a wonderful event to to be at, especially um, especially to be at that with you. I'm sure he would have had a, a lot of fun. But um, anyway, that might be a nice note to finish this session on. Um, let's hope that uh, the coming year brings 
only good things to the sake industry. Let's hope no breweries have to shut their doors permanently during 2024. And let's hope no more natural disasters uh, destroy any of these beautiful uh, historic buildings and breweries. So, Julian, Mucky, it's been fun catching up with you. It's been a couple of months since we've done this and we're a little bit rusty, (laughs) um, but it's always interesting to hear what you've both been up to and chat about sake in general. Uh, hopefully next time we'll have a guest so it takes some of the pressure off uh, off us. But um, always, always fun to chat, always fun to see you guys. And um, any last words before we wrap up? Not at all. Good chat. Thank you, guys. No, n- not for me. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, we're a little bit rusty. <laughs> yeah, we're a little bit rusty, but we're here and uh, we're back and we're looking forward to uh, some fun guests and some fun chats throughout 2024s. So thank you very much for tuning in to this episode and thank you to our subscribers over at Patreon. Uh, wishing all of you a happy, safe and sake-filled 2024. And until next time, stay safe, be kind, and keep enjoying sake. Sony.